With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer web radio show brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, homesteading, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, Feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. 
They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Sweet PDZ has been keeping horse stalls ammonia-free and healthy for nearly 33 years. However, ammonia is ammonia, regardless of the species producing it. Therefore, it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders. Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors. Safe and effective moisture absorption. All-natural, non-toxic, premium-grade zeolite mineral. Contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Um, hey, got a little bit of a, a announcement, some exciting things going on here at Chicken Whisperer Farm, and then uh, we'll bring on um, poultry scientist Dr. McCray. Uh, over at Auburn University with uh, incubation, which is our topic today. And, of course, it is a timely topic because it, uh, well, you can incubate all year round, but spring is normally the hot time for a lot of folks to uh, incubate some fertile eggs. Uh, so we'll be talking about that today. So you can, of course, get a pen, paper, notebook, whatever the case may be, so you can take notes. And, of course, this will be archived for your listening pleasure, so you can go back and tune in and listen to the entire episode at any time. So first up, I want to cover the IPPE. Uh, it was awesome, awesome, awesome event last week. It was Tuesday. It was Wednesday. It was Thursday. I attended all three days, pretty much the entire time it was open. Uh, it was exhausting, but it was a good exhausting. Uh, my goal going into the uh, IPP um, was really to show everybody, and I did some great um, Facebook Live videos, and they're still posted on my Facebook page. Uh, my goal going into this was to show, uh, I guess, the small flock keeper and even the backyard keeper and even the soccer mom with six or eight hands in her backyard that are named and wearing sweaters, um, that, that um, whether you want to put blinders on or not, that science 
from the big poultry corporations and the big poultry producers. It's in your backyard, whether you want to realize it or not. And so my goal initially, other than to, to network and make tons of contacts, which I did, I even brought home some great swag uh, from, from a lot of companies as well. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But my main goal was to show people as I walked through each of the three buildings uh, how much uh, big commercial poultry and production is in your backyard. So what we did, it was, it was basically 600,000 square feet, over 30,000 visitors and attendees from all over the globe. It's a worldwide event, um, and over 1,300 exhibitors and booths. So it was amazing. It was categorized Building A, Building B, and Building C. Building A was all about food and nutrition. So um, I'm coming down the escalators, and I went uh, on live video on Facebook, and we were going through, and I, I walked, walked through about six to eight minutes just showing people all the uh, amazing boots and all the equipment and all the things that, that were uh, on display. And normally in the past I've done that, and it's, you know, it's basically, um, oh, that doesn't affect me. That's big corporate stuff. That's factory farming. Da, 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 that doesn't affect me. But again, my goal at the IPP this year was to convey uh, to everyone how much big ag, if you want to call it factory farming, commercial producers and production affect you in your backyard. So, so we come down the escalator, we're walking in building B, and lo and behold, what do we see? The very first thing we see, we see a pellet machine that makes the pellets that you buy in the store, those laying pellets that you, then you feed in your backyard. The thing is the size of a minivan, and just that portion of the pellet machine was the size of a minivan. The rest of it they couldn't bring because it was so big. But it was, it was pretty impressive, nice and shiny, brand new. Uh, pellet machine making pellets and so that was a perfect example we walk in and what's the first thing we see in building a with food and nutrition was a machine that makes pellets that go in the bag that go to the store that go in your backyard boom and uh, and big ag right there so so that was that was a great one then we go on over and, and there's these huge semi trucks huge semi trailers grain trailers uh big rigs the whole nine yards and i'm showing that and i'm like here's another perfect example of how this 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 building building a um affects you in your backyard because you know what this truck is taking the grain from the farm to the mill for it to be produced and mixed into those pellets or those crumbles or whatever you're actually going to put in your backyard. So that was awesome. Then we continue to go, walking around, showing folks uh, everything else. Then we come across these nutrition companies that are bringing in and importing uh, all the vitamins, all the minerals, all the uh, amino acids that are going into those pellets, into those crumbles, into that chick starter, into that grower that you're then buying at the tractor supply at your farm store that then you're giving to your chicks in your backyard. So, again, building A was a success because as soon as we walk in, boom, pellet machine, it affects your backyard. Boom, truck, it affects your backyard. Boom, vitamins, minerals, amino acids that go into the feed. Boom, into your backyard. So it was fantastic. Um, building A was very easy to convey the fact that, hey, this is a big show. It's a big corporate show. It's a big, you know, people factory farming, farming show, production show. But guess what? It affects your backyard right now, whether you like it or not. Then we go over to Building B. Building B is all about production. Um, rendering production and, and things like that. So how is this related to your backyard? Well, we tied it in a little bit by saying that uh, studies show, very recent study, that over 76% uh, of Americans purchase chicken, okay, whether it be from the restaurant, the store, from, from wherever the case may be, fast food restaurant, you know, 76% of all Americans purchase chicken on a weekly basis. So, so get this. So here, here it is. Everything is about production. So again, I, I started building B, turned on the live video. We walked through for about eight or 10 minutes. We're showing some different things. And one of the first things we show 
course, was an awesome, really high-tech machine that collects and gathers the broilers in the broiler houses. The things on tracks, like an excavator would be. I explained to you totally how it worked. It had the conveyor belt that drops down to the floor, and it, and it Right road runs very slowly through the house and, and actually uh, kind of the, the scoops up the broilers, if you will. They get on the conveyor belt. That little conveyor belt um, moves them back to another conveyor belt that moves them in a completely different direction and then up basically a conveyor belt chute that then puts them into the cages that they go on to the trucks and then off to the production facility. So that, that wowed people because that was really cool. Still a lot of companies collect by hand, but this thing was high-tech and it was awesome. Had to show that. And then, of course, we're showing how uh, it's packaged, the little styrofoam base, and then that little uh, uh, liquid collection thing, and then the wrap that it wraps off, going down this conveyor belt, switching to all these different places, the, basically making it like you see it when you get into the store and you're purchasing your chicken there. Or maybe, shoot, maybe you buy the, the pasture-raised farm chicken, you know where it comes from, all that stuff, organic. Well, guess what? They use a lot of these machines as well to package that bird for you. Then, of course, I thought this was interesting. We go and we show um, different machines that uh, process the chicken into and form it to whatever you want it to be, whether it be a nugget or a patty or who knows. We saw the machines that produce the chicken wings and how many billions of chicken wings were consumed uh, during the Super Bowl. Okay, so we again, we tie this back into everyday life of the everyday chicken keeper that whether you produce it in your backyard and eat your own chickens or the ones that you're buying in the store, because 76% of you do, um, hey, you know how this, you know, the, everything you see in Building B here, everything you see here uh, allows you um, to purchase uh, Red Costco and Sam's Club and Walmart for $4.98. Why can you do that? Because of this building right here and the equipment that's in this building right here. Uh, why can you buy 99-cent chicken nuggets at Wendy's and 99-cent chicken sandwiches at McDonald's? Because of what you see in this building right here. When you go out tonight, you go to Applebee's or O'Charlie's or, or Cheddar's or those, all those chain restaurants, and you order uh, chicken strips or, or a chicken entree or a chicken breast or chicken lime, whatever, um, guess what? Two for 20? Yeah, why is it so cheap? One chicken entree, 12.95. Why can you do that? because of all the equipment is in this room right this very second. So, again, I wanted to tie it in to people's everyday lives of what was going on at IPPE. So that was Building B. So Building B was food production. We covered that. Building B, boom, uh, processing and, uh, and, and feed and whatnot, rendering. That was done. Then we go to Building C, um, and it was basically um, incubation, brooding, um, and um, housing, and then really a, just a lot of uh, general equipment. Um, as well, water, speeders, things like that uh, in this building. Did the same thing, six to eight minutes, walk through the entire building, the things the size of a football field, just showing people the different equipment. And, again, wanted to tie it in with you as the backyard chicken keeper. Uh, whether, again, whether you have six chickens or 60 chickens or 600, it doesn't matter. I wanted to relate because, again, in the years past when I've attended, that doesn't affect me. That's big, big, farm, you know, that's big farming. That's factory farming. That's corporate. That doesn't affect me and my six hens. I've already told you how each building has already done that. Let's talk about Building C. Okay, If you have ever ever in your life got on the computer and ordered baby chicks from these big mail order hatcheries and some of them sponsor the show uh let's say you've got the cat i'm just going to name them all you got the cackle you have ideal you have mcmurray uh, you can order through strombergs you've got privets um you got uh, meyer hatchery hoover's hatchery okay how many of you out there have ordered chicks that way online they old chicks and have them shipped to you okay guess what these incubators in this, this room right here, this incubator, that, that's what they're using. This incubator affects your backyard because all those little baby chicks you order, they can do that, and they can do it in mass because of this incubator that's the size of a semi-truck. 
and then this brooder system uh, and that type of thing. Then, okay, we got that. Then we started talking about breed, but he's in this in this uh, building as well. So you had Hendricks, you had Hubbard. I'm like, okay, how many people have Ice Browns? Back in 2008, when we got our first Ice Browns, they were almost unheard of in the backyard community, and now it seems like tons and tons of people have the Ice Browns. Which, by the way, guys, there's a commercial breed, a commercial bird developed by a commercial company called Hubbard. Hubbard Isa Brown. You got Isa Browns in your backyard. Guess what? IPPE affects you. Big poultry genetics affects you because that's where the Isa Brown came from. Hubbard Isa Brown. You got Bovins Brown. I love my Bovins Brown. They're laying like crazy right now. Okay. Hendrix. Hendrix Genetic Company. Global uh, poultry genetic company developing breeds. And guess what? Bovins Brown. You got you got uh, Cinnamon Queens. You got uh, what is uh, some the uh, the other one? Um, Golden Comets. There you go. So again, building C affects your backyard whether you like it or not. You got ice browns, boom. Big Ag is in your backyard whether you like it or not. So it was it was an awesome, awesome experience. And then of course uh, I walked away, met ton, tons of contacts. We launched a product that we've been testing here on our farm for the last year. Um Chicken Delight, you're gonna be hearing more about that uh, and what it does and where to get that over the next few weeks. Uh but we launched it right there in their booth. I mean, these booths were absolutely, just paint you a picture, totally insane. They were huge booths. They had entertainment, maybe a gentleman playing a piano, maybe a little one-man band, maybe an opera singer, seriously, opera singer. Um, and then, of course, they had wine. They had cheese. They had grapes. They had snacks. They had, you know, leather seats and leather chairs and all this LED lighting, and their little logo spins around above their booth from the roof. Go look at the pictures. Totally amazing. Uh, but we did get some swag. We got an awesome incubator uh, from a company called Broto. They are out of Italy. They're not even really distributed in the U.S. yet. So it's like maybe the maybe the only one in 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 the states right now, or <laughs> one of very few. We're going to use it with the Chicken Whisper Farm School. But we brought home an incubator and a humidity pump. We brought home a really cool, really cool. Um, kind of a portable nest box if you want it to be, and it's easy to mount, a roll-away nest box. I've already done a video on that and talked about that, how in two days the, the uh, Bowens Brown and the, chat, and the chicken tractor out here on the farm started using it, boom, just like that. And we love the thing. It's awesome. Uh, some flat panel heaters, got some water feeders. It was absolutely an awesome event, made tons of contacts. I encourage you, if you were within easy. That's just, it's a no-brainer. If you're within a two- or three-hour drive of Atlanta, and it's every January, this year it was February because of the Super Bowl was here, but uh, normally it's the end of January every year. If you're a two- or three-hour drive from Atlanta, it's a no-brainer. you got to come to this event because it is awesome. You will learn so much, um, and uh, there's no reason to snub your nose and say, oh, that's big egg, and that's corporate, and that's big because it affects you in your backyard every single day you're out there. Um, so uh, it's fascinating and it's very, very educational and, and I promise it. There's small companies there too. There's people with booths that are, have a little 10-foot folding table, two chairs and a little table and um, uh, they're selling their products, whatever it may be, uh, right there in your backyard. One thing I did not see, however, three days, 600,000 square feet, 1,300 vendors, 30,000 attendees and I covered, I think, all of it and you know, I didn't see one single person trying to push or pedal apple cider vinegar. And I didn't see it. I looked, but I didn't see it. So that was a shame. I was really looking forward to that, Dr. McCray. Um, let's see. So that was awesome. Other good news, I wanted to share that with you guys. Go look at the pictures. It was an amazing event, and I encourage you to go to that event. But my goal was, again, to tie that in, that event, because over the years past, people snub their nose and say, oh, that's big ag. doesn't affect me. Oh, yes, it does. And I proved it. Building A, building B, building C. Then... Um, the Chicken Whisper Farm School starts in about 10 days. We're very, very excited. A new venture for us here on our farm. And um, we, the Friday class, already almost full. Uh, we're still, now we're trying to fill up a Tuesday class. 
We've got several classes going on here. Uh, we will have summer camps, summer camps and summer classes and after school classes if this, this first uh, semester, you want to call it, of classes takes uh, is a success. And so far, I think it's going to be based on our sign-ups. Um, but to give you an example, every uh, class we're doing, these are kids 7 to 14 years old, ages 7 to 14. It's a 10-week class. They come every Tuesday or every Friday. No mix and match. If you're in this Tuesday class, you come every Tuesday. If you're in the Friday class, you come every Friday. And so they'll come every Tuesday for 10 weeks, two hours every Tuesday, and we're covering everything. They're going to incubate fertile hatching eggs. They're going to brood some meat birds. They're going to raise the meat birds. They're going to raise the layers. They're going to muck out the coops. They're going to collect the eggs. We're going to do about half of the time, half of the two hours is going to be hands-on, working on the farm. Uh, doing things, learning, incubating, brooding, you name it, raising these meat birds. At the end of the classes, at the end of the 10 weeks, or even before then, because they grow pretty darn quick, you know, um, we're going to be processing. The kids are going to be processing these meat birds, and then at the very end, we're going to have a big potluck. Every student, they're going to bring a, a side dish, and we're going to actually barbecue these birds that they just raised here on the farm, uh, 7 to 14 years of age. It's going to be awesome. Um, so we've got that class going on. Uh, we have uh, a class, which will be later, in the gardening season called um, – well, it's a gardening class, and that's from five to eight years old. And then we've got a preschool class from ages three to five, and that's called um, Storybook Farm. And uh, three to five years old, and they read a book, an ag-related children's book, and then they plant seeds in Dixie cups and, and look for insects in the garden, and they are going to, I think, hatch out butterflies and all kinds of cool stuff. My wife was a teacher for a decade in the public school. She's got a bazillion child education degrees. She's going to be handling the curriculum. It's already designed. But the best news of all, is we got some corporate sponsors on board, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, uh, GQF, um, and uh, so we got Brincy, we got um, uh, Phytobiotics, which is making this new product, uh, Chicken Delight. Uh, we have a new um, uh, product that we've been testing that's about to go released in tractor supply called Chick Fresh, which is an odor control for the coop. Um, We'll be talking about that later. They all upped up and did scholarships, and so what we did was I think we've got enough scholarship money now from our sponsors to actually benefit every single student that signs up for the poultry class. Uh, we're looking at 8 to 10 kids in the Tuesday class, 8 to 10 kids in the Friday class. The Friday class is almost full, uh, if not already full, and then uh, so now we're working on the filling up the – we're really excited about the Chicken Whisperer Farm School, and uh, we're actually attending an event next Thursday. It's a big homeschool bazaar, but we've got a table there, and we hope to sign up even more kids for that as well. So I'll give you an example. It's, the poultry class is $169 per student. Siblings are $75, but we got some awesome uh, scholarships. So the initial cost instead of 169, and I think we can do this for every kid that wants to attend the poultry class. Instead of 169, it's 85 bucks. 85 dollars, two hours every class, ten classes, uh, ten weeks, once a week. It's going to be awesome. So we've got that going on as well. And I just wanted to share all this exciting news with you that's going on here at our farm. Um, and uh, I, I could talk more about all the testing that we're doing here on these products like the odor control beddings um, and the odor control spray and this chicken delight, but I don't have time because I've got to get to the topic today, which is all about incubation. And Dr. McCray is patiently waiting uh, on, the, uh, on the phone line, so I'm going to head over here and bring her live right now and say, hello, Dr. McCray. Thanks for tuning in. Hi. Hi there. Can you hear me okay? How about now? Is this better? That's better, loud and clear. Okay. How are you? Awesome. So you're um, perhaps a little excited about IPPE and and what all goes on there? Not sure. Uh, 
IPP was awesome. I'm going. I'm going next year. It was just. I mean, this is like the third or fourth time I've been. But this year, I don't know for some reason it was just ten times better. The other, I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't focused, or maybe I was just so overwhelmed. I was just like, uh. And, it's but then, easy to get yeah, overwhelmed. Yeah, I went there today at this time with a with a main goal. I had a goal in mind. I met that goal, and then everything else was just icing on the cake. And so uh, it was fantastic. We missed you. Next year, you've got to come. We'll walk through it together and do the same Next thing. Next year, I'm coming. Awesome. I'm coming. Where are the dates? Yeah. I don't know. It's in the January, I think. I'll go to it right now. Let's see if they have posted. IPPEXPO.com. Let's see if it'll come up here. 2020. Yeah, it'll be 2020. Oh, jeez. That's not it. Let me just, if I go to, uh, we'll Google it here. IPPE. There, boom. Okay, IPPE Expo. Um, There it is. It is um, January 28th, 29th, and 30th of 2020. Wow. Already haven't posted. 28th, 29th, 30th. 28th, 29th, 30th. You've got to have some good walking shoes. Oh my gosh! I'm wearing my cowboy boots, and uh, you're right. You got it. From building C to building A, it's a long hike. But just walking around inside the buildings was crazy. I mean, it was crazy. I didn't have time because I was just. Uh, they got ladies in these booths that so you can sit down there and, and they'll polish your shoes. They got all these perks and the wine and the cheese and the grapes and the fruit and the, I know and I all know. the free stuff, all the pencils and the highlighters the and the pens. The first year I walked it, I had strep throat. I felt like I had to walk the whole uh, thing. Oh, uh, so don't do that. <laughs> no, definitely don't. Cause I oh my gosh. Exactly. I was worried about that, but so far, I think I think the incubation period for most of those big nasties are have passed me now. So I feel like I, I escaped without any type of uh, uh, illness. And because uh, you're shaking hands, you're talking, and some people, it's just their personality. They don't understand personal space. So you're having a conversation, <laughs> and you know, they're creeping over a little closer to your face, and they're talking. And you're like. Yeah, and you back up a little bit, and you're like, hey, man, it's good, but, you know, personal space. <laughs> it's great. Well, I'm going to talk time. to you a little bit about incubation to, to kind of segue from what you were talking about. I saw incubators the size of moving band. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I also have yeah. an incubator. We talked about that. It's from Italy. It's awesome. Baroto and uh really fancy little thing and uh humidity pump and uh we're ready to use it in our farm school so that was that was a bonus but yeah let's talk about incubation and, and yeah how uh, many the, people the are you kind of permitting in each of your classes um we're we'd like to have eight in each class i think we've already wow. met that in our friday class and we're and we've already got one or two in the tuesday class so we're hoping to get enough to offer both if not if the tuesday class people want to move over to the Friday class and make 10, that's okay. But guess what? Um, I, as soon as they pull off the street at the gate, um, the very first thing they do is I'm going to have some oxine in a pump sprayer, and they have to spray nice. the vehicle tires before they come on to the farm. That's going to be the first thing they're going to experience. Nice. So we'll talk about biosecurity. And then once they get down, uh, we'll have hand sanitizer everywhere, but we're also going to have a foot bath and or uh, one of those uh, disinfectant pads they have to step on and of course we're going to share designated pair of boots you only wear here on the farm bring them with you but they'll be spraying I'll get pictures and, and video of all them nice. spraying those tires yeah so uh, it's going to be awesome I thought you would be happy about that <laughs> yes yes I mean it's no nonsense I mean talk about you know let's we're talking chickens and they're susceptible to things so let's not spread it oh 
you would be so proud of this lady. And I asked her to write an article for my magazine. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was on a, I think it was on a rare breed chicken group on Facebook. And it just caught my eye because I saw a nice, beautiful, big poop on in, in flames. And I thought, great, another heat lamp uh, post. But no, she had a disease issue. And she brought, and, and even though she quarantined, well, as soon as she combined them, uh, or she claimed she quarantined, as soon as she combined them, she had issues, and then she thought she eradicated it, and she got new flock, she had issues, she said we're done, and she literally culled her flock and burnt her coop <laughs> to the ground. Um, and so well, yeah, a lot of things and, are taken care of with, you know, intense heat. <laughs> Fire. So she's yeah. she's um she's moving to she said I got plenty of space on my farm I'm moving my operation to another complete area of the farm because of this and I don't know what rare breeds she had I didn't get into all that detail or if if she were you know had some rare breeds that she sold and hatching eggs and things but I was like wow I said I commend you for your dedication uh, and uh, and 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 taking biosecurity very seriously um, I don't know if, if I don't know what she had so I don't know if burning the coop was was again if, if Somebody could have helped her out a little bit better uh, instead of that measure. And I don't even know that would be an extreme measure, depending on what, what disease. But, um, but yeah, she did it. I invited her to write an article about her experience, and uh, maybe she'll get back in touch with me. So we'll see. But incubation, 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 incubation. <laughs> well, let's, let's get started with the eggs. Of course, we collect the yeah. eggs from our coops, and we need to be very specific um, about how we handle the eggs. <clears throat> on the way to and from the coop. We don't want to um, put any eggs in the storage that have cracks or are dirty. So you you might have to wash your eggs if they're really dirty. But honestly, if you have a really dirty egg, you do not want to put that in your incubator because mm-hmm. there's likely bacteria on it. No matter how you scrub, that might be one that just, you know, goes into the eating egg pile instead of the incubation pile because eating eggs will usually cook, making them safe to consume, whereas in the incubator you've got this warm, moist environment that bacteria just love. So um, avoid exploding eggs by putting only clean um, eggs that are are, (laughs) – You know, clean on the outside, no cracks to let any bacteria or, or other organisms in, fungus too. And um, if you want to learn the hard way. Have you ever had an exploder? Uh, have, have, have an egg explode in your incubator, and um, you'll learn really, really quick to do everything you possibly can do to avoid that stinky, uh, yeah. nasty, yucky, germy, yeah. yucky, oh my gosh. So when you bring those eggs in from the house, after looking over each and every single one of them, um, you might want to write the date that you picked it up in pencil on the eggs if you want. Um, but you're probably not going to have enough eggs that you can just stick them in the incubator right away. Um, most people, depending on the size of their flock, might have to collect for a few days and store those eggs until you have enough to maybe get the incubation started on a Friday night or a weekend. Um, so, That means you've got to store your eggs, and you're aiming for not refrigeration temperatures. Your regular old refrigerator where you store your food for consumption is too cold for your your baby, your embryos inside those eggs. You need a temperature that's about 70 to 75% humidity and 
something that's like 45 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit. So just like you would have inside your incubator, you need to have a thermometer inside your storage refrigerator. You also need to have something that measures relative humidity, so a hygrometer. And that's just something very simple that you can purchase. Um, You just take the end of a uh, shoelace, uh, tie it around the end of a regular old, um, you know, degree Fahrenheit, degree centigrade thermometer, tie it around the bulb, um, and then put the other end of the shoelace, honestly, this is only going to be like six to eight inches long, put the other end into a cup of water that you always keep full. And it wicks the water up and tells you what the relative humidity is inside the storage and the incubator. That's called a hygrometer. You can just buy something called hygrometer wicks, mm-hmm. um, but you know you might end up paying a little bit more. Um, they are made of a different material, but uh, I found you know shoelace, um, snip the ends off, um, and a little piece of thread tied around the base of a, a bulb of a a just a plain old uh, you know thermometer will do the trick. So once you've got your eggs in the storage unit, twice a day you're mm-hmm. going to have to rotate them. Um, so I'm going to assume that you're going to put them in an, either an egg flat or an egg carton. And all you have to do is tilt up one end of that egg flat or egg carton. And um, in the morning, maybe you tilt up the left end, and in the afternoon you tilt up the right end, you know, about 12 hours apart. And that keeps the embryos from sticking to one side of the interior of the egg. And that's something that Mother Hen does before she actually sits down and she, um, you know, sits on her eggs. She actually moves those eggs around several times an hour. But we found that twice a day is sufficient for what we're, we're trying to do. Twice a day. Hey, let me tell you, that reminds me. i got to share this because I don't know of another incubator on the market that does this, but this new incubator from Italy uh, is one of her things she was talking about. The, the young, well, she's co-owner and, and doing the sales because the owner was there, but he didn't speak English. Um, they were like, this, our egg turner is totally random, uh, like maybe the hen. Instead of turning it left and right and left and right and left, just so routine, it might do left and then back up center and then left and center, and then right, and then left, and then right, right, and then left, left. So it's to- the, the egg turner is totally, totally oh, cool. random where it's not, yeah, so it's not just back and forth, and they're kind of like, you know, a hen doesn't do, do, you know, turn their eggs exactly the same spot back and forth each time. So we kind of are trying to implement that best we can by having totally random egg turner. I thought that was pretty smart and pretty cool. But anyway, I had to share that since you were talking about the importance of turning those eggs. <laughs> Yes. So what you're trying to do is, you know, uh, you're putting in good eggs that are free of defects. Um, You really don't want to keep those eggs in storage for more than two weeks. Um, Really try to get them into the incubator within three or four days after they're they're laid. Um, Older eggs may or may not hatch uh, if they're stored. Um, for longer periods, um, you're really going to see a significant decrease in your hatch or hatchability uh, if you keep eggs in storage for more than two weeks. 
almost not worth it. Um, yanking your eggs out of your storage unit and shoving them in the incubator really isn't the right way to go. Um, the day that you are ready to put your eggs in the incubator, what you want to do is you want to pull them out of your storage and let them come to room temperature for a couple hours before putting them in the hatcher or the incubator. Uh, and that of just, you know, rapid temperature changes do not bode well for some embryos. And we all know this. Some of our breeds are a little more temperamental to hatch than others. So those extra little steps really can help make a difference in your hatchability um, down the road 21 days later. Um, when you, what you are actually trying to avoid is, is a microorganism heyday um, with sweating. So if you took eggs straight out of your storage unit and put it right into your incubator, they would sweat. That's not saying that they won't sweat when you bring them to room temperature, but the sweating will be much um, will be reduced, and um, you want to, uh, your you want your your embryos to have a, a kind of a comfortable transition into that war- nice warm uh, incubator. So. If you are looking, you know, there are different types of incubators out there. Um, If you are looking for an incubator with a fan, which I highly recommend because of, you know, sanity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I have a life to live. Thank you. Um, Buy one with a fan, and then you know you you still have to turn the eggs. Um, and again, because of sanity, let me tell you, just buy, spend the extra money and buy. Oh dear heavens, buy the automatic egg turner, because you know having to turn those eggs every four to six hours. Yeah, I like my sleep. Thank you very much. So I don't really want to get up at oh dark 30 just to turn an egg. Um, But, you know, (laughs) those are things that you have to remember. Make sure they're plugged in. (laughs) Uh, Make sure your incubator runs properly um, before you put your eggs in there. So run it for a good four hours. Make sure that the um, the temperature stays stable. Um, get your humidity where you want it to be before you put your first egg in there. So that's just, you know, you can buy incubators that hold five eggs. You can buy incubators that hold um, 150 eggs. But no matter what, your incubator has to be put in a good spot in your home or classroom. You need to pay attention to drafts. You need to pay attention to windows. You need to pay attention to heating ducts, radiators. (laughs) You know, know, all these places, the perfect place in the room may not be where the electric outlet is. So go get a drop cord. (laughs) Amen. We made that Uh, mistake uh, about 10 years ago, maybe over 10 years ago. We were... uh, 
um, incubating, and we, we said, oh, there's an outlet, and this will be a great spot. It's kind of out of the way. We got, got, you know, had a little folding table, like a bridge table we set up, had the incubator on it, and it happened to be inside, just inside the window that gets morning sun. And, of course, the sun came through the window, heated up the ink. I mean, it was literally over 150 degrees in that incubator. Um, yeah. And we're like, okay, well, we've kind of screwed that up. But, um, yeah, you learn the hard ways. You know, it, and that's one of the hardest things is a lot of the space that people don't use is usually right in front of the window, and that seems like a good spot, <laughs> but windows are bad places. And pay attention to how far the light reaches in the afternoon or the early morning as we proceed through um, springtime. It may reach a little further than you're used to coming out of the winter season. So pay attention and do record every day. This is a good activity for kids. Record the temperature and the humidity twice a day every day. So that you're, you know, if you start to see fluctuations in temperature as your incubator continues, then you can make corrections, little tiny corrections. And it's also good to keep that notebook with the temperature in there and humidity um, nearby in case, you know, incubators get old. Uh, I heartily dislike uh, styrofoam incubators because they're so very hard to clean, especially after you use it for the first time. The second time you use it, that's when you're going to start to have problems. Um, the challenges are there in, in how do you sterilize the inside of styrofoam without eating the styrofoam. It's challenging. So you really want to have uh, an incubator that has easy-to-clean surfaces. Number one, number one, if it's hard to clean, are you going to do it? No, if it's hard to clean, (laughs) if it's hard to clean, you may really want to do a good job, but if you, if you can't, you know, separate the electronic portion from the rest of it, then, you know, you don't want to fry something. Um, You might have to use an aerosol spray that's um, Mm -hmm. a disinfectant. So look, I know there are those of you out there who don't want to use you know, aerosolized disinfectants. That's okay. I understand the majority of the surfaces might not, um, that come in contact with the chicks or the eggs, they might not need. But back where the fan is, unless you're going to disassemble that fan, and you may avoid the warranty if you choose to do so, um, back where the, the heating element is, back where the electronic board is, if that is the same air that is passing over your um, your birds, you might not have access to that part. You might not be able to swish some water over it. Uh, there may be instructions that says, do not immerse in water. That's where your aerosol spray is going to come in. You can get in there with a, a Q-tip and clean it up, but later on you might have to hit it just with a little bit of spray so that your next hatch goes off well. Um, and so, um, I've had a lot of folks that will put an incubator out in a, in a work shed or in a, um, somewhere like on a porch or something, and then it gets so cold. And these incubators, they, again, they're just not insulated to where, you, like you said, no. be careful where you put it. You know, they'll – they'll um, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've had a, countless stories of that. Oh, I thought it would be okay because it's – 
it got a heater in it or it's insulated or, or you know, I didn't know it was going to get that cold at night. Didn't think it would affect the inside. So you're absolutely right when you're talking about placement because we, we hear the horror stories about that too. Now, if you're going to buy an incubator that doesn't have a fan, that's called a still air incubator. Hats off to you. You're going to run that <laughs> sucker at 100 and <laughs> – you're going to run that sucker at about, you know, 102 uh, degrees Fahrenheit. you got to run it at a higher temperature because you have stratified air inside. The air down at the bottom of the incubator is going to be cooler than the air up the top of the incubator. And somewhere in between is where your lovely little eggs lie. It does help if you have a, uh, a, an egg turner in there. Remember, if you don't, you've got to pop that thing open several times a day. And then the temperature's got to try to re, re, um, return to normal, what you've set it at. Um, that's a lot of fluctuation. I mean, even mother hen tends not to get off the nest, but maybe once a day. So um, the rest of the time when she's turning those eggs herself, she's not getting up off the nest to do so. So if you don't want those challenges, get a forced draft or forced air incubator. It has a fan in it. Then you're only running that sucker at 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit. That's per- perfect. Um, <clears throat> I do highly recommend that if your incubator comes with a thermostat wafer, you buy one extra. Because you know what? <laughs> Eventually those suckers break. And you know what? It's always right in the middle of your hatch. And you come in there and it's either, you know, going 102 and you didn't mean for it to, or it's it's going and it's heating and it's heating and you're only at, you know, 92. At that point, you're going, ah, you want to quit sick. <laughs> so do your embryos. <laughs> okay? They're sitting there going, yeah, this mother hen stinks. <laughs> I give up. And they die. <laughs> so having an extra on hand is really, really key. <clears throat> Keep it nearby. Um, and if not, just sitting right on the top there. And if you should have a thermostat wafer that breaks, Throw it away. Throw it away right away. Don't set it on top of the incubator where you had your other fine one and then think that, oh, yeah, oh, this one's fine. Yeah, I'll put it back in storage. No, next year, next year, if you should need to reach for it and it still doesn't work, don't do that. Just don't do that. (laughs) Um, So when you are incubating, um, you're going to have to change your humidity throughout the entire process. Your humidity or your relative humidity is also called your wet bulb temperature. Um, you know, 88 degrees Fahrenheit is good. Um, that's a good starting, you know, anything, you know, anything that, that yeah, make sure you make sure that your incubator has a good viewing window because you don't necessarily want to have to open up your incubator just to take a look at both of those thermometers, which you may be looking at at least a couple times a day. Um, 
So, you know, how do you get the incubator to have a higher humidity? Well, one of the things you can do is put a small, thin pan of water down at the bottom. Um, some incubators have reservoir tanks that uh, go mm-hmm. into a float valve inside. I like those. A little more challenging to clean if you have hard water deposits, but, you know, that's that's part of living where you live is sometimes you end up with water like that. Um, if you If you find that you are still not reaching your humidity goals, take cut-up pieces of sponge, brand-new sponge, dip it in water, um, and set it in those trays so that it's up out of the, the tray and allows water to pass around the sponge so it's kind of wicking water up from the tray and mixing it with the air. So at least half of its surface will be kind of up above the level of the water. So, you know, you do need to check your water levels. Uh, make sure that there's no cracks, no, um, you know, no way for the water to, to drain away. Uh, so think about if if you aren't going to go ahead and get an automatic egg trimmer, how do you know which side to put up on a daily basis? Some people say put an X on one side of the egg and a zero or an O on the other side of the egg. Maybe you have a rule that every time you go in there, you're going to swap it from the X to the O, and the next time is O to the X. And that's something else that you can mark down in case you have to go away for a day and you have a a family member or a neighbor come in and turn your eggs for you. Um, You might want to have that written down for them so that they know what they're doing and what those X's and O's mean. So that's one way that you can turn the eggs yourself. Um, When you are placing your eggs inside the incubator, if you are using an automatic turning tray, you want the small end of the egg pointed downward, the large end pointed upward. The large end is where the air cell is, and that's going to be key um, for making sure that um, when those eggs rotate from either one direction or the other, um, they don't, you know, plop right out of that turner. So most egg cartons and um, plastic egg egg trays, uh, egg turners are designed for small end down. Um, If you've got a really oval kind of egg, just do your best. Uh, You might want to candle that egg and see which end has the air cell in it and put the air cell pointing upward, if you can tell, if it's not too dark of a shell. Um, Speaking of candling, once you've got your eggs in the incubator, you're going to candle twice. You're going to candle at 7 to 10 days, and then you're going to candle again when you pull out the automatic egg turner or when you switch to the hatcher, which is on day 18. So what are you doing? Well, you're trying to get rid of those eggs where the embryo died. Maybe you've got a potential exploder in there and you're trying to get rid of those. Um, 
But you're also taking care of um, any eggs that never had an embryo developing in it in the first place, mm-hmm. which could still potentially be a place for your your bacteria or fungus to grow if it's allowed. Uh, so, um, at seven to ten days, seven days is perfectly fine for, like, say, a white or very light shelled egg. Uh, you might have to go to nine or ten days if you have really dark eggs. Um, brown shelled eggs, um, day seven or eight, perfectly fine. Um, so what you're looking for is eggs that candle clear, so there's no obvious embryo, no blood blood vessel network in there. Um, set those into another egg carton. And this is a good teaching moment because any eggs that, that maybe have a blood ring in it, which indicates a, an embryo that died or is completely black, handle that egg with care. That's your potential exploder right there. Um, or anything that looks like um, kind of a weird-shaped black mass on the side, inside of an egg is is probably um, a fungus that's going to compete with your chick, and that chick's not going to win. That embryo's not going to win. Um, so, you know, set those aside, return all the rest of the eggs to the incubator, and then open up the eggs at Candled Clear and see if you had any embryo development at all. Um, there's a difference between an early dead and an embryo that was never fertilized in the first place. So that gives you information about your breeding breeding operation and your breeding pairs right there. Um, uh, blood rings are different, and if anything that candles is completely black, you might want to open that yep. egg outside. Um, far hey, from I, the house. i got to go to commercial break commercial break oh, really quick sure so no sure. problem so this is awesome awesome information hopefully you're taking lots and lots of notes if you joined us late uh no worries the show will be archived uh for your listening pleasure in full and we're talking with dr bridget mccray we're talking all about incubation and we'll return after this short break stay with us folks cackle hatchery is a third generation family owned and operated hatchery They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. And I know, I know for a fact that Dr. McCray is going to love this new sponsor that signed on. Attention chicken lovers, now you can honor the chickens in your lives with a hand-drawn portrait made by an artist who loves a flock of her own. Genesee Cluck artist Julie White not only draws the intricacies of their beautiful feathers and coloration with a classic portrait format, she also captures each chicken's personality. Chickens have character and deserve a commanding presence in a chicken-sized portrait, and this artist wants to spread the chicken love. Go to chickendrawings.com to find Genesee Cluck prints, 
cards and tea towels with an array of chickens who may remind you of that certain chicken you love. Custom drawings are also available if your bird wants to shine with his or her own custom portrait. Once again, that's chickendrawings.com where you'll find the chickens drawn by Julie White of Genesee Cluck. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. I'm about to say something that may shock you. There's a chance the mealworm treats you're feeding your chickens are doing them more harm than good. Most of the mealworms sold in the U.S. are hollow and empty because of how they're processed, leaving them with little or no nutritional value. The problem is chickens love healthy insects like mealworms, but there hasn't been a way to get access to them in large quantities. Until now. The only mealworm company I endorse is The Honest Worm because of the way they raise and process their mealworms. Now, they've set aside some bags only for my listeners to try for free. Just cover the cost of shipping and handling. Head on over to freemealworms.com. That's freemealworms.com. If you don't see sold out at the top of the page, that means there's still some bags left, but only for a limited time. Go to freemealworms.com and get your free bag today. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey, I want uh, two things real quick before I forget. I just uh, got an email from uh, Steve McGee, and uh, he's the president of GQF. And I remember him when I did an on-site visit. I try to go down there about once a year there in Savannah, and they make the GQF uh, incubators that we're all familiar with. Um, and I want to say that they were one of the leading um, with the styrofoam and, and automatic. Anyway. Um, because I, I remember him saying this that um, they're they've got two models uh, that, that are maybe more than that now, but um, that have an automatic thermos on them. And I remember him talking about that there is some science that shows that um, you want the at the end of the day the inside of the egg to be 99.5 uh, when incubating. And so there's some science that show if you have the incubator set right at 100, that half a degree higher 
then maybe you're more apt to have the inside of the egg because, again, going through the shell and, and the uh, albumin and all that, uh, it would be 99.5. So the, their model 1588, which is the Genesis, and the model number 2370, electronic thermostat incubators are set for 100 when they leave the, the uh, factory. Now, if you just prefer 99.5, knock yourself out. I know some people, in, in, and they get so particular, I have a better hatch when I do 100.5 or 100.2659 or, or whatever the case may be. They're fully programmable, but they those two units with the automatic electronic automatic thermostats uh, are set for 100 when they leave the building. Um, now, I also share this with folks because about four or five years ago, I was very fortunate to be one of the few and far between that actually got to tour inside Ideal Poultry, uh, their hatchery. Uh, they ship over 6 million chicks every single year. We know about Ideal, Ideal Poultry. They were the first sponsor we've ever had here in 10, 11 years are still with us. Uh, but I toured their um, hatchery there in Cameron, Texas. That's Ideal Poultry. Walking through and seeing, again, these large incubators that are the size of a, of a work shed in someone's backyard and larger. And I was very interested and quick to note on the outside of all of these uh, walk-in, basically, incubators, uh, what did it say? 99.5. So, again, I'm kind of like, you know, <laughs> if these guys are shipping over 6 million every year, and we know that most of the males don't sell, but so they're maybe even hatching actually <laughs> 12 million, and then the 6 million actually, or over 6 million are actually shipped and sold, um, then, you know, if it's good enough for them and they have all these bills and all these employees and they're sending their kids to college on this and they're depending on this for so many livelihoods and it's at 99.5, that's good enough for me. Good enough for the chicken whisperer. But, but again, there's some science there, again, uh, with GQF that's showing that maybe if the temperature is 100 inside of the egg, maybe 99.5. And then as Dr. McCray talked about, if you're having still air, you may be at 101, still air in there. You don't have that good circulation regarding that. So I wanted to share that before I forgot since we're talking about incubation. And last but not least, um, I wanted to share with you guys uh, how thrilled we are with our brand new chicken coop we have looking through the window i see it right back there right now it's a five by eight rita marie's chicken coop it is amish built and i found out when i got this delivered because i've had amish built coops in the past that amish built is not please do not just say amish built well that's just going to automatically mean a quality across the board because i've noticed firsthand touchy feely looky all that on these coops um that there are that that is not the case. So I the this one, the quality, the steps. I'm looking at them, and I'm and compared to the other Amish coop, two coops that we've had Amish built, um, and it's no comparison. The extra I think mile that they go with this coop, uh, the chickens seem to be really enjoying it. We got 15 in there. Uh, we, we lock, you know, it took them five days to get used to, hey, this is my coop. So now we got like six coops, and we let them all out, and they all free range. And then guess what? They all go back to their respective coop at night. They go right back into the Rita Marie's uh, chicken coop, and they're laying in those nest boxes. And, of course, we have like six or seven nest boxes in this nice coop. And, of course, the 15 uh, hens use three. And we know all about that. That's a whole other topic. But, but yeah, they, they like their three that I've noticed that they use, even though there's seven available to them. There's plenty of room in there for my water and my theater, and they got the, the roosts and uh, the features. got the bit window that goes down the complete side of the coop, uh, plus the window that opens in. They've got a door that is super awesome quality. Uh, it's got the pneumatic um, uh, adjusters, I guess you call it, to open up that, that coop, uh, that, that egg box door. It's fabulous. I know 
that uh, it would be your dream coop. So you want to go check them out, largechickencoops.com. How easy is that to remember? Largechickencoops.com, and that is Rita Marie's Chicken Coops. And I'm pretty sure um, that we've got, or my wife has, another one ordered for to come out in June. Um, that's what I'm thinking. So we may actually get another one of these Rita Marie Coops in June, uh, which we're ecstatic about. But this one so far, I'm telling you what, has uh, met uh, or exceeded uh, all of our expectations for this coop, and it is awesome. LargeChickenCoops.com. Go check them out, uh, and it will last you. If, you. if you compare the price of some of these fur, wood-made coops coming over boxed from China, uh, and you figure out the price of that versus the price of this and how long they're going to last and how many of those you're going to buy, you get what you pay for, folks. So um, think about that. Rita Marie's Chicken Coops. Hey, let's get back over here, and we'll talk to uh, more about incubation with our good friend, Dr. Richard McRae. There we go. I'm turning it over to you, my friend. Okay. Um, so one of the things I accidentally skipped over was ventilation. You do want to make sure okay. that your incubator has ventilation air holes. Um, you know, they may need adjusting. Some of them are adjustable, and, you know, it's something you have to play with, depending on where you put your incubator, where it is in your house, what temperature and for how long you're running it, how old it is, you may or may have to may or may not have to fiddle with the um, the air ventilation holes because you know you do need oxygen flowing in there, and you also need the carbon dioxide produced by the growing embryos to exit. So you know it's just a little something to be aware of. And if you recall before the break, I said that you don't want to turn your eggs after day 18. You're going to incubate. Um, until day 17, turning. Then on day 18, you're going to um, take a look at them with a uh, candler um, as you're transferring them to the hatching basket where you don't turn them anymore. Your, your chicks don't need to be crushed by a turner as they're hatching. Um, so just be aware that, um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna hatch out. Um, they need plenty of space to to kind of roll around in there and chip that egg open. And you can actually sometimes hear them chirping inside there at day 18. You can put your ear up to the the egg, and sometimes you hear tapping, or sometimes you've just scared the bejesus out of them, and they're not gonna make any sound. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> they do talk to each other, and they encourage the slower ones to speed up and and the, the faster ones kind of slow down just a tiny bit. And if you do crank up your temperature by half a degree, like those preset ones from TQF, you can actually alter the hatch by like half a day. And um, some of the, the more commercialized birds, you know, it's not 21 days. It's actually 20.5 days for them to hatch out, depending on what temperature they're running at or how the incubator works how they're set up, whether it's single stage or multi-stage. So incubation science is still evolving. Um, you know, we've got a lot of stuff figured out, but it's still evolving and still a lot of fun. Take a look at what things you can tweak, um, either with the breeders or with the actual incubation itself that affects mm-hmm. hatchability. Uh, so say everything hatches perfectly fine, you've Transferred them to the brooder, and now you've got a dirty incubator. Yay! 
Oh, the fun of incubating yourself. Now, if you were a mother hen, you would just walk away from that nest. However, you're not going to be able to do that with your incubator. (laughs) That means you're going to have um, baby chick fluff in there along with some fecal material, some broken eggshells, some other um, connective tissue in there. So here's the inclination. You know, if everybody hatches out, great, transfer them, done. You'll probably have a few eggs that don't hatch out. Um, How long do you keep the incubator running to give those last few eggs a chance? 60 hours after the first chick hatches. Two and a half days. Then, guys, they're not going to hatch. Say goodbye to those eggs. Start your cleaning process. Um, I do recommend soaking in warm, soapy water. Uh, to loosen up any dried materials. Be aware that eggshell is as sharp as glass when it's dry, and if it's glued to something, it can cut you. So wear some sturdy gloves when you're cleaning. Um, You need something that has a good scrubber on it. Uh, Warm soapy water does a lot to help, but a nice stiff bristled um, scrubbing brush is also going to be um, exactly what you need to aim for, especially if you're cleaning off any wire surfaces. Um, Usually the floor of most hatching baskets or, um, you know, the floor of some of those those very simple uh, incubators, Um, if they're not made of plastic, they're made of metal, and uh, you need to check that, uh, make sure every single one of those squares is cleaned out. Toothbrush, not a... Not like a Sonicare toothbrush, but like a good old toothbrush. Get that that yuck off of there. It's going to be challenging. Um, some of it just wraps itself around the wire and doesn't want to let go. So um, clean it out. Um, warm soapy water. Let it dry. Hit it with some disinfectant. Let it dry or follow the, the instructions of whether or not it needs to be rinsed off. I personally like a, a spray can of Tectrol. Because, um, man, i got other things I need to do. (laughs) Just hit it and be done with it. Um, Let it dry and put everything back together. And you need to store your incubator in a cool, clean, dry place until next year. And some people, um, after they let it dry and they reassemble it, they'll even put it in a plastic bed to keep dust out of it. So those are all things for you to consider when you are actually in the process of incubation. If you haven't heard this talk before, I'm sure you're just kind of going, really, all this? Well, it takes 21 days to hatch a chicken. It is its own process. And, you know, as Andy can attest, there are things that can go wrong. Take a a look at our book, um, and that will give you some good written guidance to follow up on what I've said here today. But that is incubation. In an eggshell, not a nutshell. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> hey, I have a uh, I have a special guest that wants to uh, say something to you. Uh, Doc, hang on just a second. Hi, Doctor McCray. Hi. Who is it? Lily. Well, Lily, are you going to be hatching out eggs this year? Yes. Which of those eggs is going to be named Lily's egg? 
All of them? Don't know. All of them? All I of like them. that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to think. They're all her chickens. Everybody else just needs to know. <laughs> I love it. Come back and see us. I will. I will. It's good to good to hear your voice, Lily. She, she knew. I was like, I'm talking to Dr. McRae. And she says, I want to say hi. Yeah, she's, she's that is a no-nonsense kiddo, folks. She's going to run that farm one of these days. Whew. <laughs> one of these days. Oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, try yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. Great class about incubation, all the tips and tricks and things like that. And, um I hope you have a great rest of February. I can't believe March is already here. I mean, it's one, I know, thing that I know. It's one thing one thing 2018 went by so fast, but now we're like it's it's almost March of of 19 and I'm just like you've got to be kidding me. So, um hey, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate all your knowledge and um hey, let's have a Glad show coming up help. in spring. We haven't had one in a while with um Kind of with what you do, whether it be 4-H or Chick Chain or um, something like that. Let's oh. let's maybe the next show do something about uh, featuring a, a, a kid in 4-H that we've done before, or maybe something <laughs> like <laughs> the uh, egg bowl, the the avian bowl, or something like that. Let's uh, switch it up a little bit and do something 4-H related that you do. Okay, glad to think about it, and I'll I'll let you know what I come up with. Great, sounds good. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. All righty, how cool is that? That's going to wrap up, wrap up another great show of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And let me look at the calendar, actually. Um, next Thursday, a week from today, the 28th of February, one week, right here, same channel, same station, same time, we've got the Coop Crate Show. And this is awesome. Jessica uh, Dilger is going to come on, and she's got a bunch of uh, companies. A lot of these are, again, small women-owned companies in the backyard uh, hobby flock arena. And uh, she has a, of course, Coop Crate is a subscription box that you subscribe to, uh, and you get it every single month. And so the very the fourth Thursday of every month is called the Coop Crate Show here. Uh, and we have Jessica on and several of the businesses to talk about their products that are going to be in the next month's Coop Crate subscription box. So being February 28th, we're going to be talking all about the cool stuff that you're going to get in the Coop Crate subscription box that comes on March. And she'll be shipping that out normally around March 15th. Uh, and so whether, you know, we'd of course love for you to subscribe to the Coop Crate subscription box. But if not, then you can hear about all these cool products and you can go to the product uh, website and if there's something that really interests you or tickles your fancy, boom, you can you can buy that there uh, if you want to. Because I know uh, Jenna Say Cluck uh, at chickendrawings.com, uh, that's how we learned about her uh, through the Coop Crate show because she may have donated like uh, or sold special pricing to Coop Crate, uh, you know, a little a, a, a note card pack or something like that. So these are really cool, creative, artistic stuff, things you, you can use, whether you as a human can use or your chickens can use. Um, and so next Thursday, right here on Backyard Culture with the Chicken Whisperer, it's our special Coop Crate episode. You're not going to want to miss that next week. Alrighty, hey, we're going to wrap this up. Please, there's no reason whatsoever that you should not be a subscriber to the totally free 
digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Okay, it's not a bait and switch. It's not you get it free for so long and then we're going to make you buy the the print edition. It's not oh you're ex- not no 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 none of that bait and switch junk. Absolutely free digital edition Chicken Whisperer magazine. It is the exact same as the print. You can just read it on your laptop, your desktop, your tablet, your phone, whatever. Great science-based, fact-based study and from study-based information from experts in their field. They can help you raise a healthy flock of chickens in your backyard. ChickenWhisperermagazine.com. That's ChickenWhisperermagazine.com. So, hey, that's going to wrap up another show. We thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next Thursday for another great episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. God bless, everybody. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.